Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Hello, Rank Squad, and welcome to Ranks FC. It's your favourite football podcast back again for another week. My name is Jack Collins, and joining me, Mr. Sam Tyler Rankod. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. And of course, Mr. Dean Jones, our transfer guru. Yeah, hello, mate. You're good? I'm good. Yeah, I'm very good. Um, yeah, just lots of football coming to a head, isn't there? Which is nice. Like every game seems to have something on it at the moment. And we've had games literally on TV. For the past year, every single day. And there's been a lot of them that are meaningless. But now we're getting some that really matter. So it's really nice. It's very exciting, isn't it? Everything on the line. Yeah. I'm going to be honest, lads. I'm sad today. I'm sad today. This is We're recording on Tuesday. Fulham were relegated from the Premier League last night. And it's one of those weird ones, right? Where we knew it was coming. We've been aware of this for, for a couple of weeks. Uh, it, it's looked inevitable for some time. And it doesn't make it hurt any less. Really? Uh, I don't feel bothered by it at all. Yeah, we got a tweet yesterday about the differing opinions of, of, of the two of us, Dean. You were like, really? I'm not that fast. And I was there like, yeah, heartbroken in 2014, heartbroken in 2019, yeah. heartbroken again today. And it, it, I don't know, it really does get me down when they're like, it's the last embers of hope being extinguished. There's, there's something Maybe. quite bleak about that, I think. Maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe I'd have felt differently 10 years ago, but... Um... I just, it's like in terms of like my life right now, it just seems like the thing that bothers me the least. I think I'm actually just grateful that I haven't been wasting my time going to watch it. Um, I also feel definitely less connected to the team than probably ever because I haven't been to a single match this season. That's the first time literally in my life that I haven't been to a single Fulham game in the season. And you'll never are... watch Joachim Anderson play Fulham. No, exactly. And the there are half of that team, probably you know, half of that 11, I've literally never seen play for Fulham. Um, and just because of all that and like kind of the meaninglessness of football generally in the scope of the world over the past year, like so many other things have mattered more just hasn't affected me as much and I'm also quite excited to be in the championship when we do go back because I don't want to be in the Premier League with a rubbish team that's going to get relegated yeah you boys love the championship that's all you ever say to be fair I thought you were just saving face initially but it's been several years and you all that's all you say so I think like, you, it's you do mean just it. more fun to win it just is and like actually aiming for something that isn't 17th in the league like I just prefer that um mm. Don't get me wrong, like if when Fulham were in the Premier League and a half decent team in the Premier League, I quite liked that. But there still came a point, to be honest, when you're finishing, you know, lower half of the table and nothing, literally nothing's happening in your season where you're like, this is boring. <laughs> I, I was part of a piece for The Athletic um, a couple of weeks back about what's more important, Premier League survival or playing attractive football. And it was me for Fulham, a Norwich fan, a Burnley fan and a Crystal Palace fan, right? And it was it was kind of like stay in the top flight at all costs or take relegation risks by playing some attractive football. Now, Fulham have done neither this year. We haven't played attractive football or stayed up. Um, so that is it. But it's interesting because there's this kind of grass is always greener approach and Palace fans, I think, long for a bit of, you know, more up and down in some ways, you know, and from, from what, they were saying, I think it was Robert Sutherland of, of, of FYP. Um, he was talking about the fact that it's not just about, you know, it's about having something to long for. It's not finishing 16th every year. But I think I would kill right now. It's, it's been a decade, pretty much, where Fulham have either been in a relegation battle or a promotion fight. And I just really want some calm. Like it's, it's emotionally term like the emotional turmoil is starting to take it out of me. I'm emotionally drained by Fulham Football Club. And, and I just want, I just want a little bit of, stability like yeah i get it but also like end of the day we support fulham like 
get it you've got to get used to it haven't you i'll be you? okay I mean, with finishing 15th in the premier league for a couple of years but fulham have absolutely zero right to be finishing 15th in the premier league every season like they're the reasonably same, you could say the same for burn you could say the same for palace you could say the you same could yeah but their, their time will end mate their time will end like fulham had a long time in the premier league and like you know, Palace are going to probably change manager in the, the summer and they will probably go down the season after. Um, Burnley, once Sean Dyche leaves, Burnley will be relegated. Like, Sean Dyche might actually be Crystal Palace manager next season. There's a good chance he gets that job and keeps Palace up and Burnley are going down. Like, that's something that's being spoken about. So, wow. don't worry. Like, everybody goes through cycles. Um, Fulham will probably be in League One before you know it and you'll be, be wishing for the days when you could uh, <laughs> go up and down from the Premier League of the Championship. Quick yeah, question, maybe. Jack. What did that Burnley fan have to say about playing attractive football? Well, I think he he, he made quite a good point, which is... So I have no idea. I've never yeah, seen it. Never well, seen it. Well, he said that the, the point was that it depends what you like in your football, right? He was like, I partic- you know, he's like, I'm actually pretty comfortable watching direct football because it, it's a style of play that I actually relatively enjoy. And, and I don't mind that. Like, you know, it's, it, football is a game where of opinions, right? In, in, mm. in so many ways. And you can look at however your team plays. And I know lots of people who are like, I actually really like the way Burnley play because they're direct. They get the ball into the box. It's a little bit old school, but it works. And, and it works for them. And, and, and you know what? If, if that's your kind of, if that's your gig respect, like that, that's where I'm at with it. So he said, you know, the, the, the opinion of Burnley widely held is that we play really, really attritional football that doesn't get and there's no joy in it he's like but actually watching them every week i don't find that to be true and i was mm. like yeah fair well enough. if it's your like, team it's different, different i guess yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely and at the end of the day he said you know the the ultimate goal is survival every year and and, and the fact that we keep doing that on such a limited budget etc cetera, etc cetera, is testament mm. to you know some sort of spirit within the club and, and i respect that um so yeah and it was funny because there was a just just had a reply to this this article with a leeds fan saying why choose? Well, all right, mate. We can't all have Marcelo Bielsa. Like. Oh, <laughs> Don't worry. They'll be down. They'll be down before you know it. Um, right. With that, should we move on to things we love? And Sam, do you want to kick us off this week? Well, yeah. Ranks FC flags at half mast for Jack and Dean's sins here and, and Fulham's relegation. Uh, so apologies for the somber tone to open things up. However, I do love the fact that this week in football has so much on the line, as we said. And yes, we've talked about the fact that the Premier League has an awful lot going on. There's a lot of fixtures being crunched in. Manchester United are playing, I think on average, four games a day now it's been built up to. Uh, it's gone it's gone up from three in six days. It's uh, it's, it's, it's an awful strain on those players' legs. And yes, the, the La Liga title race, as we know, Jack, has been thrilling for the last month or so. But really what I'm going to be watching this week is Serie A. Serie A this week is where it's decided. And by it, I mean Juventus's top four hopes, Milan's top four hopes, Napoli's top four hopes, and who finishes second. This is thrilling. Now, obviously, at the weekend, Milan went to Turin and won 3-0 at Juventus. Absolutely incredible display. Put themselves in the driving seat for finishing the top four and knocked Juve into fifth place with three games remaining. Now, tonight, so by the time this comes out, Napoli would have already played Udinese. And again, you'd probably expect them to win that game, further strengthening their grip on this top four race. Milan have got to play Torino, who they should beat. Juventus have got Sassuolo, a team who are a real banana skin, a really a horrible, a aren't they? real horrible team to play in this scenario. And if Juventus do manage to overcome Sassuolo, and that is no guarantee, well, they've got Inter at the weekend, the, the new champions and the champions that know full well that the best thing for them is to knock Juve out of the top four. Their long-term ambitions to dominate Italy, right? If they want to replace Juve's top dogs on the on a long-term basis, they know that losing that Champions League revenue for Juventus, who are already on sort of coasting the red line financially, let's be honest, knocking them out of the Champions League spaces and, and removing that revenue from their streams would be absolutely massive. Absolutely massive. And that weekend, if that doesn't sate your appetite, well, it's the... Derby della Capitale, Roma versus Lazio, and Fiorentina are playing Napoli as well. So Serie A this week is where it's at for me. I know we're all talking about the Premier League. I know we're all talking about the Liga title race. If I have the choice of having to just watch one, I'm going Italy. Very, very good. Yeah, I mean, it's all very exciting. And you haven't really even delved into the relegations battle there. And and look, maybe I'm just... There's the, too much the har- going on the top. I'm just the harbinger of doom today, Pat. <laughs> but, um, but it, you know, that, that kind of battle between Benevento on 31, Spezia on 34... Cagliari on 35, Torino on 35. They do have a game in hand, although it is against Lazio. 
uh, you know, th- there's a lot still to play for down there. And you no, know, Parma, Crotone already relegated. I think Genoa, Fiorentina, Bologna above them are probably just about safe mm. now. Um, but you know, that that kind of three, four-way battle, Benevento, Spezia, Cagliari, maybe Torino, is incredibly exciting as well and well i mean less exciting i think is probably the word it's actually terrifying for these clubs yeah um, but there's there's something there's something to be said here for the fact that two of milan's well the, the last three games that milan play they're playing torino midweek torino are heads just above water they're still playing for something here then they have to play calorie on sunday night again heads level just on, above water level on points Four wins in their last five by the way calorie absolutely Hello. unbelievable they've dragged um, themselves out of this mire I'm very, very happy about that because I do not want to see Diego Godin finish his football career with a relegation with Cagliari. Um, so Milan have got those two to play and they've got Atalanta on the final day. And they, yeah. they want to get this wrapped up before they play Atalanta because if it's riding on that game, I bet they lose. But the two games they've got to wrap it up in are two teams who need points really badly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right, DJ, what you got for me? Well, Edinson Cavani has signed a new one-year extension at Man United, and this was probably unexpected for a lot of fans, but it's really, really good news. Um, people mocked the signing of, of Cavani at the start of the season. We didn't. And I'd just like to put this out. We didn't. Put it on, on paper. We, were, we, we thought this was a good bit of business, and thus... Yeah. I guess at the time, like they'd been linked with Jaden Sancho all summer and, you know, waiting for this young, bright, hundred million pound man to come through. And instead, you know, they brought through a guy who everybody presumed would be injured all season. They thought he was too old. People were literally laughing on social media about the idea of Cavani at Old Trafford. But at the time I was told, and I said on here, United were really optimistic. He'd taken a pay cut. He was excited to be joining United. He didn't have much of an ego and he had a mentality that was needed to rub off on the rest of the squad, a winning mentality compared him to Ibrahimovic when he was there. And now you look at him, he was a 34-year-old. He scored 15 goals. He's had a huge impact off the pitch as well. He's helping to nurture Rashford, but even more than that, Mason Greenwood, as he tries to come through and be that future number nine at United. Um, so this is really, really important that Cavani stayed. And a few weeks ago, it looked like he'd be going to Boca Juniors because, well, basically his dad said he was. Um, so we were like, oh, that's that's not good. Um, and it would have been very unfair. And I think United fans would have felt shortchanged because they fall in love with him watching him on TV this season. And, you know, the, the idea that they were never going to see this bloke playing live in the flesh hurt them, I think. You know, they want to see Cavani you know, riding in on his horse, bare-chested before every game <laughs> with a slab of meat on his shoulder because he's the manliest man you could ever want leading your attack. Are you talking about Cavani or Vladimir Putin here? <laughs> well, do you know what? Sometimes they're similar. Um, Cavani, you know, he has that, doesn't he? He's just this all-round, like, superhero kind of character. And I just think that this is what United needed in a number nine, in a centre forward, they they didn't probably realise that this is exactly what they needed at this point, but they did. Um, and, you know, I love Cavani. I think he's been great. And what this signing does for United is, is it does open the door to Jadon Sancho actually arriving now. Because signing Cavani on a one-year extension means that they're not looking for a number nine now. There's no chance Harry Kane's coming to Man United. And what it does is it opens up funds to spend elsewhere. And I think personally, they are going to go ahead with trying to sign Jaden Sancho. I'm told that it will probably be a 75 million offer that, that they'll go try and go for. And they'll see how that lands at Dortmund and see how far away they are from, from what they really want. And it's probably going to be like 10 million short of what Dortmund are ideally looking for. But look, there is potential next season that United have Rashford, Bruno, Greenwood, Cavani, Pogba and Jaden Sancho attacking teams and pushing finally for a league title again like it's possible it is possible like you're gonna have to add something else in there like you two like have been telling telling me all season well they've got to sign a defensive midfielder as well and that's probably true but maybe they will maybe that's what will happen and if they did get Sancho and a defensive midfielder perhaps they can have a proper crack at it again but look yeah Cavani is a great, great bit of business for United before the season's done. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very good. And and I think United fans across the world, but especially those who are desperate to see him score at the Stretford end and the Stretford end rise to acclaim him, uh, are, are probably right, right yeah. delighted. Interesting that you call him a superhero, because I think with that goatee, he looks like a supervillain. 
Yeah, he does a bit. Yeah, well, he's a villain if he's playing against you, so that works both ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's hero is another man's <laughs> villain. There you go. Um, I wasn't going to do a thing I love out of respect today for Fulham's relegation, um, but I would just like to point out that tonight, between recording this and it being released, uh, Sporting play Bovista. If they win the, if they win that game, they will win the Primera. Um, and they will be celebrating their first title in almost two decades. Um, wow. The last time Sporting won a title, Charisma had just broken through as a, a superstar, and Cristiano Ronaldo was still in the academy. Um, so it's been a long wow. time. Wow. Um, the kind of flip of this is that Boavista, who I love, um, as uh, they have the checkered kits, they are a very special club, and... Uh, my girlfriend's parents or grandparents live just by the Besser. Um, so they are a club close to my heart. Um, and they're currently in the relegation playoff spot. Um, so they're going to be scrapping for their lives. Sporting obviously still unbeaten this season, uh, but could be a really interesting game tonight. So that's what I'm going to have my eyes on this evening to see if one, Sporting can win their first sight in two decades. And two, if Bovista can claw themselves out of this relegation, Maya. So a lot I'd love on. to watch that, but I'm unfortunately obligated to watch the snooze fest that is South Hampton versus Crystal Palace. Mm-hmm. There you go. I, I I I would trade that off if I were you, mate. I would, mm. I would sack that one. Yeah. Um, right after the break, we are going to be doing our big ranking. So don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where it's time for our big ranking, and it's a Dean Jones special this week. Well, Sam's well. favorite thing is when Dean does a ranking because it takes the workload off him for a week or two. Um, but this is fully in your wheelhouse, DJ. It's a Elite players that need a move this summer. And I assume you're going to give us some insight on whether that's likely, unlikely. And Sam, maybe we can we can take a little hit at finding places where they might fit as well as we go along. No, I'm off this week. <laughs> All right, DJ, take it away. Yeah, I mean, these lists really don't take very long. It took me 10 minutes. <laughs> um, so I'm not sure what Sam complains about every week. I, I did this basically while I was brushing my teeth. Um, yeah, so elite players that need a transfer this summer. Now, there are a couple of things, I guess, that we should cover here. I mean, I could have gone down the route where you think, well, Gareth Bale still needs a transfer because he's still a Real Madrid player. Like, he's going to be back there. But I haven't included Bale. I haven't included Jesse Lingard. I haven't included... Martin Odegaard, like, so those guys players are on loan, are basically out. players currently on loan that obviously do need a transfer in the summer, but already kind of have a home that they're probably going to make full time. They've got to like, root out, haven't they? Yeah, they're, they're already like the, the terms of adoption are already um, <laughs> <laughs> already in place. So I haven't included them. And then there's, there's you know, players, I guess, that are starting to consider moves like Mo Salah and you know, maybe even you know Raheem Sterling. You could even argue, um, but it's too soon to say they need a transfer because they don't. They like they might want one, but they don't need one. So that's the slight uh, factor to put out there before I start. Um, anyway, let's start with number five. I've gone Kylian Mbappe. Kylian Mbappe needs a transfer needs. this summer. Now, the fact he's at number five shows you that like he's not like the ultimate guy in football that needs a transfer this summer. But I think that there are reasons here to think about like why Mbappe needs to go. And he's only 22, so you could say, yeah, could probably stay. But I think he needs a Champions League to his name as soon as possible, to be honest, just to make sure it's in the bag. Um and look, he's considering a renewal to his contract at the moment. And one of the big factors to Mbappe signing that deal is that he wants the club to strengthen, to prove that they can take that final step and win the Champions League. It comes out, you know, got to a final, they've got to a semi-final. They can't take that final step. So he wants to see how they're going to do that. I don't see how PSG, in the state that they're in right now, can take that final step anytime soon and make this team that much stronger than it already is. Like they can raise the money. Of course they can because they've got Qatar funding, but who can they sign? Harry Kane, is he the number nine that delivers that that final step to glory? I, I think that's quite reasonable as, as, as ideas go. It's not, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's a nice idea. Would Harry Kane believe himself that PSG is the destination he wants? I'm not sure he would. Don't worry so, about the strikers, mate. Get some fullbacks. Get some proper fullbacks. Full yes, this is the thing. So there are. It's not just one fix that is needed here. There's probably three, four positions that need serious strengthening. 
And I just wonder at this point, with Mbappe one year left on his contract, if it just comes to a head. Now, the obvious issue is like, do Real Madrid have the money to sign him? Like, can they actually do this? That's kind of a different story. But if they do, then I think he... I think he needs it, to be honest. Um, and I think it could happen. If the Super League was going ahead, I think that Real Madrid would 100% be signing him because I think for that huge amount of money that all those clubs would have been getting, they would have just put that money into Mbappe. Like, I'm pretty sure. I'm sure if the pandemic hadn't have set in, they would have signed him the last year. So there's all these factors at the moment that are keeping Mbappe at PSG and it's all working out in their favour because they're one of the few clubs in the world that actually have this private fund. That it doesn't really matter to them whether a Super League happens, whether there's a pandemic, because they're going to have funds. Mbappe, you know, he joined PSG from Monaco in 2017, um, went on to become well, what the most expensive teenager in history, basically. Um, and behind Neymar is the most expensive player, right? So what would it take to sign him? I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know in this market what you're going to demand or get from Mbappe with a year left on his contract. And that's probably a reason they do need him to sign on. Um, it's sign or it's, sell, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. like you or get rid because that's you it. can't I mean, afford to let a player of that value work, leave for nothing next summer. And they don't have these clauses. Like Neymar obviously went for 222 million, but that's because they have these clauses in their La Liga contracts that that say that this is what it's worth and then PSG he doesn't have that well you're not allowed them in France not allowed them literally not allowed it so that affects that situation but yeah I think personally Kylian Mbappe needs a move this summer so initially this suggestion as Dean brought it up really jarred with me yeah me too particularly because one of the first things that Dean said was that he's 22 years of age and he's hard he's the Champions League in the bag and I was like well hang on a minute he's 22 he's already achieved quite a lot he's got a World Cup Champions League final very unlucky to lose that yes PSG maybe maybe a couple of years away from challenging they may only be a year away of course because you never quite know what's going to happen but does feel a little bit early to be calling it on Mbappe however as you were talking Dean I just remembered something which was he does feel a bit at times like a like an early grade kind of like a Michael Owen style player in that players of this physique and this speed they peak very very early and it wouldn't be unfair to say that Mbappe basically won't be the same player at 26 particularly given that he's been playing solid first team football at 18 and he's a sprinter you never know what happens with those players they do peak early and they do come down a little bit earlier than you think so where Kane is pushing towards like 30 years of age and he's still in the prime skill set of his career. I don't think you can say that Mbappe will be there with as much confidence and I might be galaxy braining it a bit there, but with that in mind, you do wonder if his window is actually just a little bit shorter than a lot of players, just because of the way that he's built and the kind of player that he is, which would kind of sway me towards the argument a little bit. I still think that fundamentally it might be a bit, a bit much to say he needs a move. He like, he requires one. I'm surprised you put him on the list, but thinking about it a little bit more, there is a smaller window for Mbappe than other players, I think, I suspect. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Like it takes one hamstring injury and that becomes a recurring injury. And you don't know, you don't know. It's not what like he's never injured anyway, is it? He gets yeah, like, a lot. I, I just think that like to have it in the back early, I know it sounds, I know it sounds weird. And like, there are different factors to all these five people that are in my list. And don't forget, they, I am talking elite players that need a move. So it's not like this, there wasn't a short list of 200 names here because there aren't 200 elite footballers in my mind. Mm. But um, yeah, I think Mbappe is worth a discussion at, at five just because mm. of these factors. Yeah. Yeah, I can't, I can't stay at PSG forever. No, I agree with you that he can't stay at PSG forever. But we are talking about players that need moves, that need them. I imagine this rest of this list is going to be dominated by, are we going to be dominated by players who aren't playing, who are, you know, need an exit in order to revive their careers? We're talking about someone who's playing in the semi-finals of the Champions League, two years on the trot, who's didn't play he was injured this is part of the problem okay but you know what <laughs> I mean Dean's got big plans from Mbappe it's just see. it feels a bit like it feels a bit like they're you know this is is, is slightly different to the others in that he, if, if Kylian Mbappe doesn't move this summer it's not the end of his career like he will have another crack at the Champions League with PSG next season right he, he, Whereas I think, well, maybe I'm wrong, but I think where you're going to go with the rest of these players is actually going to be much more kind of they need a move or it's like curtains. And and this feels a little bit like it jars a bit with that. 
Well, let's yeah. see what the other players are. Yeah, let's come yeah. back. As I said, you know, there's different reasons players need moves as well. And mm. and Mbappe is because he needs to fulfill his potential. And, you know, PSG was a great, the perfect stepping stone from Monaco. And I understand that. But at some point, he's got to challenge himself outside of Liga. And he's, you know, well, as you're turning 23, like you've got to start making these moves. Like you can't just sit there. You can't get into a comfort zone. Um, right. Number four, Philippe Coutinho. I yeah. actually, when I first drafted out this list, I forgot Coutinho existed. As I was texting Sam, I was like, oh, hang on. Just remember Coutinho exists. He's going in. Yeah, number four. So when he left Liverpool, he was one of the best players in the world. He's had a tough time since then. Um, it's fair to say he's played 80 games in La Liga. He's got 19 goals and 11 assists. That's not the kind of output you were expecting across a period since 2018 um, for Philippe Coutinho. You, you probably would have thought that like... Well, potential to get that in his first season, the way he was playing at the time of when he left Liverpool, like maybe not 19 goals, but certainly 11 assists. He was sent on loan to Bayern Munich for a season. That went okay. He got eight he won goals, the Champions six, League. Yeah. He got eight, <laughs> on a personal note, he got eight goals and six assists. Comes back, you know, in December, he underwent knee surgery. He's not going to be playing again this season. When he does come back, how difficult is it going to be for him to get back into that Barcelona team, first of all, and then build up the game time, the consistency that's needed to get back to where we all know Philippe Coutinho can be and wants to be. He's contracted until 2023 at Barcelona. I think he needs a move now. Um, I don't think there's any point in seeing this project out any further. I know I checked it out a bit and his agent is Kia Jirabchian. He is working on this now. He realises that Coutinho needs regular football. He's 28 now. Um, dragging this out until he's 30, probably not wise. He's being linked to Everton. Um, and there is Who truth isn't in it. being linked to Everton? Everyone is linked to Everton. I was linked to Everton last week. <laughs> um, there, is, there is truth to the fact that Everton are interested in him. I mean, I don't understand why they've got Hamez Rodriguez already why not, playing. Why not have two? <laughs> yeah, Everton love it. Hammers is love injured it. after time. They need someone else. Hammers on so, one side, Coutinho on the other behind Dominic Calvert Lewin. Who isn't getting involved? And I'm also I'm also not sure that going back to England and joining Liverpool's rivals from across literally across the park is an ideal way to get his career back on track. But I do think moving back to England could be a success if you found the right move. Um I think there are many clubs that Coutinho could go and join. Um, I don't know where you lads think will be best suited, but I, I do really think that Coutinho needs a transfer this summer. I'd love to see him back in Italy. I'd love to nice. see him back in Italy. I don't know why, but there's something about that move that hugely appeals to me. Well, he would um, do well there as well, wouldn't he? Like the pace and the the style of the football, I just think that's where you that's probably where you're looking. I mean, they're, they're in Germany, I think, are two guarantees for success. Just don't England. see a league that he can't do well in, to be honest with you. I, I think he's basically a player. I don't know. I've just got this image of him basically playing well in all of the top five leagues. I don't think I have it. Like, I think he'd play very well for PSG. I, there's part of me that would just love to see him actually finally play with Neymar at club level. Mm. Um, and PSG could really use some upgraded quality around the big two. And the drop-off between, you know, from like Neymar and Mbappe down to like a Draxler and a Sarabia is pretty steep. Mm. Um, and Coutinho would definitely help bridge that, particularly since Di Maria continues to get older day by day. Um, but yeah, La Liga, Serie A, like I think there's, there's all sorts of different options from there and <laughs> no no concerns over this one, Dino. This this man needs to get out of there. This, this <laughs> Barca team have left him behind, ultimately. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't know where he goes in. I don't see why they even bother to try and integrate him and play him as a prime asset when you're looking at Frankie and Pedri as the future and you've finally got Griezmann and Messi going. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he fits with this Barcelona team anymore. And and look, it's a shame, really, because when he, that move did happen, it did feel like he was, you know, a relatively good fit. Like, mm. you know, he had yeah. the DNA from from where it felt like it, it would be right. But it just hasn't come across in in the way that perhaps we, we'd hoped. And... But it does throw up the question, who can one afford him? What would Barcelona sell him for? And and where does he go next? Because I, I think this is an incredibly tricky puzzle to solve. How mm. much would Barcelona be demanding for Philippe Coutinho? Because they paid 120 million for him, right? And so, you know, can would they sell him for 60? Uh, with two years left in his contract? I don't, I don't think anyone's going to be paying 60 million pounds well, for Philippe Coutinho. I mean. so, no, what, I know, I know but I do think... million loss on him? 
I do think they're gonna they're gonna be somewhat self-aware here in a rare turn of events for a football club. I think they might uh, they might just be aware that this is this is it. This is this is money down the drain. I think Juventus should be looking at Coutinho if Dybala ends up leaving because he's only got a year left on his deal and things like that. Um, but there are definitely clubs out there that can pay his wages. I think for sure. How much is, is Memphis supply going to be? Because basically, you want to well, get as free, much, isn't he? It's zero. Oh yeah, of course. Well, there you go. So it doesn't really matter. Get Coutinho out. Get his wages off, and just give um, that those wages across to him. <laughs> yeah, much I mean, better idea. It is, but I mean. <laughs> I don't even know if they need to pie, mate, at Barca. No, I no, but they I clearly agree. want him, don't they? So, well, Kerman yeah. wants him, and, and yeah. that's going to happen. It's it's a strange one, isn't it? Like, I, I mean, obviously, it would be great to see him back at Inter, but they have their own financial issues to to kind of contend yeah. with in in so many ways. But yeah. then, where else does he go? I don't think Bayern will. I don't think Bayern take him back. I don't think Bayern need him. Um, I, I don't think you're going to see a Dortmund paying for uh, a Coutinho. He's not no going to go to Leipzig. No, no way. The other side is going to be in the, in that playoff, in that Champions League spot, is going to be Frankfurt or Wolfsburg. I don't think he goes to either of those. So no. you go to Italy and you go, right, Does he He doesn't go to Inter. They can't afford him. Can you go? To, he's not going to sign for Atalanta. That's so far away from their business no. model that it's a joke. AC Milan can't afford AC him. AC Milan can't afford him. So you're looking then, at Juve and PSG. Or... Everton and West Ham. Could he go to Napoli? Could I mean, he go to Napoli? What if Lazio sold high on Luis Alberto and replaced him with Coutinho? Ooh, I, I'm, I'm high on Coutinho to Napoli. That's where I'm. That's where I'm high. That's where yeah. I. I More love attackers. The idea. I love the More idea. More attackers. Chaka Coutinho at Napoli and see what happens. There, <laughs> there is my. Uh, there's my pitch to to the clubs. Sell okay. Coutinho to Napoli. Um, and, and with yeah. that, I think we, we probably should move on. Number three, Harry Kane. Yep. So obviously he was going to be in the list, and I pro- probably a lot of people would put him number one. I guess a lot of people would. He's twenty-seven. He made his breakthrough at Spurs in the he's 20... twenty-seven. Earlier I said he was approaching thirty. Well, he is. So... Three. It's a slow build-up. <laughs> build I've up. been so harsh on him. I'm so sorry, Harry. He acts and looks like he's thirty, doesn't he, Harry Kane? Yeah, yeah. He, um, yeah. He's... Just yeah, it doesn't seem like the average twenty-seven year. He's just really been around mature. for a long time. Like he's, he's yeah, he is mature, and he does just act like the fact. I say how mature he is. Like in the latest lockdown in England, he was the only footballer in the entire Premier League who stuck by the rule that you're not allowed to have your hair cut. That's how mature he is. <laughs> he was the only one that agreed. And the day you get your hair cut, he got his hair cut. Um, what a guy. But yeah, since like, his time at Tottenham, 219 goals in 333 games. Um, nobody, nobody expected Harry Kane to have this in his locker. Like this isn't what Tottenham expected when they had him in their academy, breaking through as a, you know, a 17-year-old. They didn't think they had this on their hands. He was going out on loans to Leighton Orient and uh, Norwich and MK Dons or wherever else he went on. Went and Millwall, didn't he? Millwall and, you know... He was good. He was good. Nobody he wasn't thought he was good for be... Leicester. No, mate, you speak to their fans. You speak Leicester, to their fans man. and they all agree he was rubbish. I remember <laughs> watching, I was part of that Leicester campaign where they were in the championship. It, I think it was the campaign which ended in the famous Troy Deeney moment, right? And knock mm. up, missed the penalty. Um, and I remember one of my best friends at uni was a Leicester fan and we used to, we used to go around and watch Leicester games at his house because that's what we did on a Saturday afternoon. And every time Kane come on, he'd be like, no, not this guy. Not this guy. He's the worst. <laughs> like, and it was literally this guy going. And like suddenly, like, you know, five years later, you're like, hang on, this guy's the best, best number nine in England. Where has this come from? Mm. Like, and it really was like when he'd come on for Leicester, we were like, oh, no, not this clown. Like, and, 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 and look where he is now. It's, it's amazing. And you wonder how many players at academy level could go on to be full internationals if they just got a break because that's all Harry Kane got similar to when Marcus Rashford got his chance with Man United was basically because of injuries at the time Harry Kane just became a guy that got an opportunity in the team they were in the Europa League and Harry Kane had a good campaign and got more and more opportunities his confidence grew and grew he became technically better the players around him fitted his style of play and he scored more and more goals and now he's England captain um, it's crazy, really, where how he's ended up here. But the big problem, obviously, is he's won nothing, literally nothing. Carabao Cup runner-up 2015, Carabao Cup runner-up 2021, Champions League runner-up 2019. 
Well, hang and... on a minute, hang on a minute. Sorry, I voted for him in the FWA Football of the Year Awards. Oh, I time. did as well. I did as well. So he's got um, that. But these are these are club awards. I'm talking because he's obviously got a few fair few personal awards when it comes to his goal scoring exploits. But um, yeah, it's look the reason he only needs a move if he wants to win club trophies. If he doesn't, and fair enough, if he just wants to stay at Tottenham and become the Premier League's all-time leading goal scorer then he can probably do that. He can stay there for the next six, seven years and make sure he gets that award. Um, But he's said himself recently that he does want club trophies and you can't hang around forever. Now, there's a danger that he's, he's waited too long. There's a danger that nobody can afford him. Has he got the balls to walk into Daniel Levy's office this summer and ask for a transfer? That's basically what it's going to take. For him to leave Tottenham. I don't even think Levy's going to listen to his agent, who is his brother, by the way. Um, if his agent goes in there and says, Harry wants to move, you say, make him come in here and tell me that. I, I genuinely think that that's what it's going to take. And then I say, okay, fine. Someone needs to pay a hun- at least £150 million. Nobody's got that. Man United have just signed Cavani on a one-year extension. That's one, another one out the window. PSG, maybe. Real Madrid, maybe. Real Madrid aren't going to sign him. They don't need to replace Benzema. No, I just want, the man I just, is still purring. No, but you're yeah. right. Like, you just, this there's is no the options. This is the key. I, that it, yes, I agree. If Harry Kane wants to go and win trophies, he needs to leave. He needs to move on. But where does he go? Because I, I don't see any destinations bar PSG who I think might might actually make this move, hmm. especially if they lose Mbappe, like you say. If they then then I think the PSG might be the ones that can make this move. And would he seek that link up with Pochettino again? Is there a better chance of him going and winning a trophy with PSG than uh, than at Spurs? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so that's the only option that I can see on the table for Harry Kane. And it's mad, isn't it, that we're talking about transfers in a summer where everybody is a little bit hamstrung, right? We 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 spoke about this last year, but it feels even more so this year because the the figures we're talking about are back up at. At where they were before, you know, looking at these inflated prices, yes, there's obviously going to be a little bit of a, you know, a takeoff for the fact that it's COVID and everybody's a little bit monetarily damaged. But we're we're talking about big fees here, and I think a lot of these big players that we're talking about here are going to be trapped by them. Now, as you say, for Coutinho, there might be senses in some players where they're like, right, we'll just get them off the books. We, you know, we just have to swallow the loss. The loss is in the past. Accept it. Move on. Um, but I don't see that with Harry Kane and Spurs at all. You know, I think this is one where if you're going to, if you want Harry Kane, you pay the money or you don't get Harry Kane, even mm-hmm. if Harry Kane demands a transfer. Yeah. Exactly. yeah I think it's a short conversation, isn't it, with Daniel Levy? Even if Kane does walk in there and tell him himself, pretty short convo. Yeah, I think so. Um, but this is where we're at. And, if, yeah. you know, if Harry Kane really wants to do this and he has to drive it, and that's not an easy thing to do, especially when you've got as close a relationship as you've got to a fan base as Harry Kane has. And when he's a loyal player as well, he's, he's grateful for Tottenham for giving him his chance. He's, he's stuck through it. He's the, basically the poster boy of the club and he's led them into this new stadium and he's become England captain as their main man. Me and Sam have just voted for him as footballer of the year in a season when Tottenham have been rubbish, but he's carried on scoring loads of goals and excelling. Like he's achieving in a personal level, everything he could have ever have hoped to achieve in terms of being a, all round, you know, centre forward, but he's there's a chance he never experiences lifting a club trophy, and yeah, that'll nag away at him in the years after his career. But it's you know he might he might have to deal with that at this point. Or the other case, I guess, is that he gets to be 31, 32 years old, and then he goes right, who's going to win the league next year? I'm going to join them. I've given Tottenham the RVP route. Yeah, mm. but like, oh, sh- all right, I'm 31. Let's try and win as many trophies as I can in the next three years before I retire. That's always a possibility. So, like, we're saying now, like, well, he needs to make this decision, and it's definitely playing on his mind. And you know, we're saying he needs a transfer, but yeah, because he's 27, he will still think, well, when I'm 30, I could just go and join whoever it is, Man City, for a year and make sure I win the league, or go and join PSG or Barcelona, whatever it is, and just do that. Maybe, maybe. 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 Yeah, it's very, very. It's a, it's an odd one, isn't it? And yeah, it is a weird Before one. that, you think Harry Kane might have missed the boat when it came yeah. to actually getting the transfer that he wanted. Part of that is obviously due to the pandemic, and part of it is yeah. due to the fact that he does seem to be a nice geezer, and he doesn't want to force his hand. He doesn't want to try his luck too. <laughs> it's much. a lovely boat. Yeah, and 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 therefore might have actually missed the chance to go on and be. It's one of the funny one of the things that made best. me laugh when I wrote about Gareth Southgate. 
being a target as Tottenham manager. And the reason that they want him is because they know he gets on well with Harry Kane and they want him to stay. It's like the fact that Tottenham think by just bringing in a manager who likes Harry Kane makes it even harder for him to walk away because he's such a nice bloke. And he's, he's so <laughs> English, you know, English people just don't like to cause a fuss. Harry Kane's like, oh, no, he's my mate. You have to stay another four years. <laughs> New contract, please. Go on. I like I like the idea of Kane uh, riding out this entire contract in and it gets to about what age 30, 31. And then he still hasn't won a trophy. And then you just see pictures of him looking totally bewildered as he's unveiled as Basictus' his new sign. <laughs> as he's gone to Turkey to win the Super League. Just to win a trophy. Yeah, I, I would be really here for Harry Kane turning up at Besiktas later, <laughs> later on in his career. That would be something that I have genuinely lots of time for. Um, and with that, we should probably move this onwards again, DJ. Okay, so at number two, we have a man who left uh, English football because he wanted to taste glory at a big club, and it's Aaron Ramsey. Mm. He'd been at Arsenal for a long time, and he, he won three FA Cups, but ultimately he knew he was never going to win a league title at Arsenal. So he left and he joined Juventus. At the time, he said, Juve is a massive club, one of the top teams in the world. And when they come calling, it's hard for you to turn them down. I was in a position where I was at a club for a very long time. And I fancied a change to get out of my comfort zone, learn a new language. And when you come here, you get the feeling of how important it is to win. And you arrive at a point in your career where you just want to win trophies. So this is basically the point that Harry Kane's at right now. Um, And Aaron Ramsey left and he went to play in Serie A and he won the league title last year. Um, So he's done that. He's got a Serie A title in the bag. It's fair to say, though, that this move hasn't really worked out for him on a personal level. And he definitely hasn't had... No, the joy that he would have hoped in that time, even with that title in the bag. He's got six goals and six assists from 65 matches at Juve. He's now 30 years old. Juve, obviously, in an identity crisis right now. We don't know what their game plans are. The coach, Andre Pirlo, looks out of his depth. They're fifth in the league and they might miss out on a Champions League spot this season. It's a really bad time. And amid all of this, there's, there's Aaron Ramsey, who's just never got going. He's had niggling injuries which have really hampered his chances of of getting any consistency because there have been times when he's been getting in the team but he's just never been able to fully show what he's capable of and because of all this I think it's time for Aaron Ramsey to leave and I think it's time for him to come back to England and to be honest I could see him going back to Arsenal he loves Arsenal he didn't really want to leave he didn't really want to go and I think when you look at his options and what will be on the table this summer, again, it'll be Everton. Everton like Aaron Ramsey. Everton looked at signing Aaron Ramsey last summer, but he doesn't really want to go to Everton, does he? Um, Man United really liked him. Maybe they could still be interested. Maybe that would be something. I can't see that now opening up again. That I think that's that doesn't probably seem past. to fit, does it? No. It help at all. So I think at a time when Arsenal are struggling themselves, you know, ninth in the league, they're not going to have European football next season. They are going to struggle with transfer targets in the summer and they need, they need someone in his position that can inspire, that can lead. Maybe, maybe he'll fancy that now. I don't know. He might not, but I, I, he loves Arsenal so much. It wouldn't completely surprise me if Aaron Ramsey ended up back at Arsenal. Ping Danny Ceballos back to Betis. And take Aaron Ramsey back at Arsenal. That, yeah. that, that's something I have time for. I'd be, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be okay with that set of circumstances. But do you agree? Does he need a transfer? Yeah, I can sort of see his role at Juve expiring a little bit. Um, I think this is one that, looking back on it, Dean, I think you're probably right to say that arguably maybe like wasn't necessary from Juventus to bring in Rabiot and Ramsey at the same time and commit quite a lot of their wage bill to them as well because they were free transfers. And these two are earning a lot of money. They've got Benton Core. They've gone and added Artur. They've added McKenney, who is a central midfielder by trade. And man, we're going into a summer where we're looking at Juventus fans pining for Manuel Locatelli to come in. So they're obviously not happy with the midfield makeup. Obviously, the fact that we don't know who the manager is going to be next season uh, doesn't really help with that. But I do just kind of get the feeling that like Ramsey's opportunity to become an important player for Juventus has gone, has expired. And... If he wants to become a main man, he probably does have to go somewhere. Um, there's probably going to be end, end up being like seven central midfielders at Juve next season. It's going to be in a heavy rotation. I, I can roughly get on board with this. I think maybe need is still a little bit strong, but if he wants to, if he has ambitions to be the main man in the top midfield, then yeah, that that does need to happen. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I think this is it. And your point there about Rabio and Ramsey is is exactly it, Sam. Those two are kind of in intrinsically linked for me in my head with, with this kind of period at Juventus. And it just seemed, you know, to to spend that much on two midfielders when you already had, you know, a fair crop, you've brought in Weston McKenney, you know, you, you're looking at two players who play very similar roles in, in many ways. Um, and and basically both of them have been beset with injuries who they've really struggled to make consistent impact. It, it just feels like both of them, it's like Juventus went, right, let's strengthen the midfield. Let's bring in exactly the same player twice. And they've struggled with the same issues with both. They've struggled with consistency from both. They've struggled with injuries from both. And it just doesn't really add up as a as a solution. I think Juventus might have to get rid of both, if I'm honest, if they are looking at, at refreshing this. Because in some ways, neither of them really fit with, with what Perlo is trying to do. And obviously that will change based on, as you say, who the manager is next season. But I'm not sure there's a role for either of these going forward. See, I think that Rabiot would make a really, really good number six if he put his mind to it. But Rabiot disagrees with that statement. I've seen him literally say, I, I want to be an eight. I want to play attacking midfield. I want to play box to box. He doesn't think he's a six. When they played him at six at PSG, he didn't like it. And he's wanted to be more expansive. But I, I honestly, I still believe that if he just put his mind to it and a coach remolded him into that Benton core style player or into that kind of deep lying midfielder, the one who sits and uses that incredible frame and height and, and ability to cover ground that he's got in a more defensive capacity. I think he could absolutely dominate and they might be able to clear up some of their own issues here. Mm. It doesn't really help Ramsey. It just reminded me of the fact that for absolutely ages, I've disagreed with Adrian Rabiot on what he thinks his best position is. <laughs> well, there you have it. <laughs> who knows yeah. best, Sam or the player <laughs> in question? Um, yeah, I agree. Um, back to Arsenal seems like a nice spot. I don't know if there's really anywhere else. Like you say, Dean, you know, Everton will always be interested because Everton are interested in every player on this list. Yeah. Um, but I just think it's one of the only things that would make him maybe think about it. Like he doesn't obviously doesn't need need to leave Juve unless they force him out the door. But like if Arsenal came knocking, like come on, mate, like come and help us. I don't much over there. Leave Juve if he wants to. If he wants to, you know, continue his career on for a lot longer, because at the moment he's in danger of just slipping out of. He's just not going to be playing, is he? He's exactly. Not. I, just, play. I, also just, I don't necessarily, I think this is a nice idea to go back to Arsenal, but if I were Arsenal, I wouldn't be looking to bring in a Ramsey. That's the problem. Mm. It, it's like they've slipped so far down now in their kind of slow degradation that spunking big wages on 30 year olds. He was only 31 in December, Aaron Ramsey. This is not the, this is not the signing this club needs to make to put the steps back together to go back to the top. They need to be looking at what AC Milan have done for the last two years. They don't need to be signing Aaron Ramsey for 150 grand a week or whatever it is. In that case, they'll definitely do it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who's his agent? Is he a Kia Jarabjian? Because if he is, this is absolutely on. Absolutely on. Um, Right. With that, shall we take it to number one? Yeah, so the elite footballer that needs a transfer more than anybody else this summer is Isco. Yeah. Of course, of course. This is the only reason we ever did this ranking, wasn't it? Just so we could talk about Isco for five minutes. Um, The little genius has been at Real Madrid since joining from Malaga in 2013. Um, Obviously, an unbelievably talented footballer. So... So good on the ball, so creative, so fluid. But in the past three seasons, his role in the team has just dwindled away. Like he's he's literally a bit part player now. I don't even know what type of player he is because I don't see him often enough. And every time he comes on, he seems to drop further and further back in the pitch. Um, he's only started eight Le- eight La Liga games this season. He hasn't even been injured, so there's that's not even something to to counter for this. In 12 Champions League games that Real Madrid played this season, he featured in three and played a total of 97 minutes. Like, Isco can't be settling for this. Um, Zidane clearly doesn't have a plan for him. Every transfer window, Isco is linked with a move away. Um, And I think, finally, this is the time he actually needs one. Just find a club that you fit into. Find a style of football that suits you. Don't don't be looking back and thinking, oh, what a waste of time. Those five, six years were, um, you know, I, I shouldn't really compare Isco to Jesse Lingard, 
But there is something to be said for seeing how Lingard has rejuvenated his career with one simple loan move and finding a club that is built around his style of play and embracing what he can bring to it. That's what Isco needs to do. Find a club like that, whether that's in La Liga, whether that's in Serie A, I don't know. But what I do know is it's probably not in England. And that's the place he always gets linked, always linked with a Premier League move. I don't think that is the answer. Um, Whatever happens, his contract is up in one year anyway. Please set Isco free. Free Isco. Free Isco. <laughs> I'm up for it. Um, where's he go? Where's he go, Sam? Granada. Yeah, I mean, there's part of me that thinks he should stay in Spain, and there's part of me that thinks, why not crack on in Italy? So take take him down. If they can't get Coutinho, as we said earlier, take Isco and Napoli. I'd what about love, both? I'd love to see him in purple, though. I'd love Isco in purple. Oh, nice, yeah. I think that would be nice. Just think. Isco under Maurizio Sarri in the famous purple of Fiorentina. That's something that sings to me. Playing the Hamzic role. Playing mm. the Hamzic role for Sarri. Give me I, it in my I, soul. I feel like if we're going to go to Italy, we need to probably take a closer look at something like Roma. That would be more realistic, wouldn't it? Under Mourinho. Mourinho likes him. Yeah. Mourinho like loved him. But uh, I mean, Madrid, that would be nice. That's another one. Actually, you know what? I'm in on that. Too. I'm, <laughs> I'm cool with that. I'm hugely into that as a concept. Isco in the Eternal City under the myth of Mourinho. In there. Gonna write it next week, lads. Research Watch out for Mike's transfer Rome. column. This is beautiful, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm in on either of these. Either with Sarri at Fiorentina or Mourinho at Roma. Yeah. I'm okay with both of these elements. Take Isco to Italy. Yeah. It's got to be something like that, hasn't it? I think so, yeah. Unless he just wants to go and play for Malaga in the Segunda. Yeah, I don't think so yet. Like, <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> like I, I can see him definitely choosing just like a play. Just seems like a nice guy who's just going to go and do somebody a favour. <laughs> you know I mean? Go and play non-league football for a couple of years just to help out some mates. The big well, question yeah. here is that is that we, we don't really know what kind of a player is anymore because he, he probably doesn't even know himself. Um He's, he's got a bit bigger, hasn't he? That's a problem. He's, yeah, he's not necessarily that fit anymore. Um, well, there was not a time. That's necessarily true. Yeah, someone's frame changing doesn't mean they're not fit anymore. No, he's not fit because he hasn't played for two years. He hasn't played. He's not allowed yeah. to play football anymore. But that's he, because he played plenty of left wing for Spain, sort of inverted left winger. 2018 World Cup, I thought he was really good off that left side. So there's, there's part of me that remembers Isco as a very, not, not, not just a number 10. Uh, but as a winger as well. And obviously he's played a bit deeper as well for Real Madrid when he has got some minutes, hasn't he? Played as more of like a number eight sometimes. Yeah. There's three positions there. That, that gives him loads of different opportunities, different styles, different formations. I just, I struggle to see, I struggle to picture this because we talk about this every year, don't we? When it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't move. But we have reached breaking point with this guy. This is a fantastic player who was just being completely squandered and left aside. Yeah, I just I just want some joy back. And PSG. Is- Isco, no, Isco is a harbinger <laughs> of joy. I, I, you know, PSG don't need this. This is the last thing PSG need, actually. And in, 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 like, in all seriousness, we've talked about PSG's like cavalry of hotheads. Yeah, PSG it's, needs Isco is a hothead. PSG needs some leadership. No, I don't even think Isco is, but PSG he needs is. some leadership. They don't need Isco. They need <laughs> PSG needs some spine. Like they they need some players who are going to be like absolutely calm down like mm. it's 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 not happening they need some some real leaders there in the middle and instead you're, you're suggesting that they sign a kind of like floaty left winger slash 10 <laughs> like that is not that is not what they're after yeah, um but yeah no not, i i just think Isco could go and get somewhere he's going to get minutes he could replace nabil fakir if he moves on from betis mm. that's something that that might that might mm-hmm. work and there is history there of just shifting players between betis and real madrid look at Ceballos. Um, but yeah, there's, there is there. There's there's like oh, that's it, isn't it? Could Isco be a new Canales? Yeah, I think he probably could. Um, mm. Now, whether he wants to to completely clear Spain and get out of here and just you know take his wares to a new location, I, I think Italy is the spot. But if he is staying in Spain, you'd imagine it is going to be one of those teams, sort of La Real, Betis, Villarreal, maybe. Mm. That, that's the that's the kind of level you're looking at. I don't think Isco is going to go to Sevilla. Um, but you know, no. the next kind of tier down, perhaps. Yeah, I, I think there's probably a, a Pellegrini's at Betis as well. Pellegrini and Isco have got a really, really strong former relationship. They were together yeah. at Malaga. It's a nice, yeah. nice mix. Um, I like the list, Dino. It's good. There's a couple of players that yeah. I um there's, I one, there's one player that I no, you haven't missed anyone. I was like, I wonder if he'll do it. I wonder if he'll go there. Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, I mean I guess it's the same. It's it's Mbappe, but the other way around, isn't it? Um, it's like it's that thirty-one. It's that thirty-one Harry Kane. 
<laughs> yeah basically like where should i go and win something next well, yeah i mean definitely just, just in case they finish fifth i mean ronaldo yeah. definitely is, there's no business being in the Europa but then i mean that, the reason i avoided it is because that could also apply to about four or five other uve players and i couldn't really okay. just go down that route and i thought i was already putting ramsey in for sure so yeah that was the main reason for that but obviously well, he might have to leave the other name that i came up with which for, it was it needs a move it doesn't really need a move but he he might need a move if they don't pay him his wages is Romelu Lukaku because mm. Inter have got so many financial problems sure. and I saw a report yesterday that the the owner Steven Zhang has requested all the players to take a pay cut and still hasn't paid them even November or December's salaries yeah. and at a certain point you can't play for free no. That's what I do. It gets me nowhere, right? So <laughs> Lukaku, being one of the best strikers in the world right now, well, he's one of a number of Inter players, but he's the headline one that I'd be like, hey, take your momentum. Use this platform that you now have as everyone's recognising you as one of the best and mm. go somewhere that they'll pay you. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not wrong. Not wrong, not wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah, good. Very good, Dean. Thank you very much for, for a good ranking. Yeah, lovely, Dean. Had a lot of time. Enjoyed Thanks. it, and we had some fun discussions as well. A bit different. Uh, Exactly. After the break, we are going to be doing Melon of the Week and the Gibberish Rankings. Don't go anywhere. Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. Welcome back to part three of the Ranks FC podcast, where it is time for my favorite part of the week. Dean, you've done a lot of heavy lifting today, and it's over to you again. It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is Sergio Aguero. Yeah, of course it is. Of course uh, it is. It's a tough one because I, I don't typically like... You can't always give it to people for missing a Panenka. Um, but you give it to Adamola Lukman earlier in the year, though. True, yeah, but his was a bad one. I actually don't think Aguero's technique on the Panenka against Chelsea was that bad. I actually give quite a bit of credit for Mendy for not diving, actually. I think he did quite well to just kind of watch what was happening rather than just dive to one side because he barely moved and was able to get up and, and grab the ball. But um, it's obviously not ideal. I mean, nine years ago, Aguero had that moment against QPR when, you know, literally writes one of the best storylines in Premier League history by winning Man City their first league title at the Etihad. And here we are nine years on, Aguero had the chance to seal another Premier League title for Man City. And he absolutely fluffed it. And I mean, to be honest, the signs were there when he, wow, he's miscontrolled that that chance that Raheem Sterling buried to put Man City 1-0 up. I mean, the touch from Aguero was a shocker. Um, and look, he's going to be rusty, right? He, he's barely played football this season. So I just think in those circumstances, Aguero, just take the most straightforward route. You know how to score a penalty in a typical, normal fashion. Just do it. Just do it. Um, it just didn't seem like the right time to be doing that. I generally don't mind people trying a Penenka, and more and more people actually seem to be doing it from what I can see. I don't know if that's because there's no fans in the stadium, but people are doing Penenka it. season last week. Yeah, it really it? has been. There's been like a couple every weekend for the last few weeks. But yeah, this just wasn't it, and he looks like an absolute melon. Yeah, yeah. I don't like. I don't like this, Dean. I don't like this, don't you? I don't like this, Dean. I thought when you said Sergio Aguero is a melon, I thought you were going to say it's because he apologised. He doesn't need to apologise. You don't need. He doesn't need to apologise. No, I agree with that. To me, that's the only melonish bit of this of this entire thing. Kind of. Would he apologise for any of his other penalty misses in his career? He shouldn't be apologising for any miss ever. Right. It's just it's just part of the day job. It's silly. I don't have an issue with him trying a Penenka. And the Penenka technique, it's a bit slow. Like, it was good height and stuff, wasn't it? Good, good height. Ultimately, Mendy hasn't dived very far and gets up really quickly. That's what I mean. I think it. Mendy did well. But I as just you, think... As you said, Mendy, Mendy has made this look worse by being very, very good at goalkeeping. <laughs> but ultimately, I can't criticise a player for trying a Penenka. There's nothing wrong with it. Didn't you criticise Adamoda Lukman earlier in the season for doing it? No. Okay. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, think, I think you did. I think you Most did. Most people did. I think it was uh, I think, it's I the think... last minute of a game that you need to get a point in. Absolutely hammer that down the middle, you absolute clown. <laughs> I mean, you have to go and find the receipts if I did do it. If I criticise that Penenka, it's because it wasn't a Penenka. It was a whatever it was. It was yeah. a dink. 
It was rubbish. It That's the problem. It wasn't good. Aguero's wasn't the worst Penenka you've ever seen. Good height. It was just a bit slow. Mendy just did really well. Don't yeah. apologize. Don't apologize. Right. Onwards. We'll change the sound. Jesus, that's, <laughs> that's an upgrade. It was. I just got, I've gone into full, you know, Iberian mode. Right, um, okay. It was, yeah. yeah, it just, it was natural. So Fair. that is the gibberish alarm now, apparently. Um, okay. Right, it's, it's time for the gibberish ranking, so. Very good. Well, <laughs> roughly a month ago, maybe a little bit more, um, I brought you three things that are much harder than they should be. And uh, I've rebadged it and I've decided to bring you three things that I wish were easier. Okay. See what I did there? Okay. Still, similar story, but uh, just me and my struggles in life. So three things that I wish were easier. Number three, navigating the Amazon Prime video menu. This is an absolute mess, this menu. You guys got Amazon Prime video? Mm. Yep. Do you find the menu easy to use? Mate, I can never find anything on there. Honestly, I, just... I can't. I don't know where the stuff is. It's I ridiculous. Search. It's, rid- it's ridiculous. Honestly, this is, is an absolute mess. Netflix have got this absolutely nailed. And Disney Plus is, is really clean as well. Visually, mm-hmm. it's very pleasing, but yep. it's also like responsive. The problem with, the, with Amazon is that you don't know where anything is. There's too much on the screen. Half of it's live tennis, which I definitely don't want to watch. Thank you very much. <laughs> but most, more than anything, it's really unresponsive and laggy. So you end up going too far one way or overshooting it in a different direction. You have to press like four different buttons to get it to get it to actually play. It's full of junk. And I feel like they either put your series that you're watching three three separate points on the same page. So you don't know which one to pick or it just disappears completely. Like they don't make it easier for you to just resume watching. And sometimes when you do, don't, you pick the wrong one. It takes you to a different point in the series that you're at. You have to go back on though. I'm three seasons on and what episode was I on? Just an awful experience at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. I, I think you're right, but what I do think this suggests is that um, instead of watching the Serbian Premier League, you've been watching too much Amazon Prime, and that suggests to me that you're slacking. Uh, yeah, well, I couldn't possibly comment on that. Um, also, I like sometimes I want to watch a film, and then I find one on there that I want to watch, and then it's like, okay, well, this is five ninety nine. What? Oh yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's not good, is it? I mean, like, like some of it, some of it's fine. Some of it you've got, and then some of it you have to pay yeah, like quite like... a lot more for. <laughs> yeah, that annoys me as well. Yeah, yeah it's not, it's not a good experience. I agree with you. No, not okay. at all. What's okay. number two, Sam? Getting a good night's sleep, and I, you know what? I know it's going to get worse. Dino's horror stories tell me that it's going to get worse. I don't even have kids yet, and it is going to get worse. But it's not great already. Seriously. <laughs> I'm not even building off a good base here. It's not going to fall off a cliff because I already can't get eight to 10 oh, hours no. just sleeping through. 10 okay. hours? I can't, get, 10. I can't get eight to 10 hours. I can't even get six sleeping through. It's a nightmare. But look, I don't have kids, but what I do have is cats who are very mm. annoying. And I do have a tendency to just not drink enough water ever. So I do wake up dehydrated quite a lot of the time. Appreciate that's my fault, but still, I'm complaining. It's my list. I do also keep sleeping on my neck funny. I've got neck pain again. Um, currently sort of switching between one and two pillows to try and do a using the power of deduction to see what the problem is it might be that i just need a new pillow um Mm. but ultimately these are these are all problems i'm facing right now every night these are problems i face um rachel always wants the fan on and i get quite cold i don't need the fan on yet um i can't sleep without like netflix in my ear i have to put it on my phone at the moment to, to block out the noise of the of the fan because the fan oh, make, I, yeah. I, I, I honestly like it's like at any one time sort of six or seven things working against me and my yeah. night's sleep right now it's a nightmare yeah i mean it sounds like you're having a tough time here. i'm actually sleeping beautifully at the moment i don't know why <laughs> good to hear um, if, but good yeah house, the, new bed new bed new mattress i'm having, having a great go. i'm having a great time i um, love my mattress it's fantastic but i kind of get a new pillow yeah i'm getting sort of Good, good eight hours. It's, it's great. I'm having, a, I'm having a good old time. I cannot complain. Um, so yeah, uh, that one's all yours, Sam. Uh, and it leads me on to number one. Yes, eating hard shell tacos. I oh, completely. It, this is a great shout. Is this like is this a, is the rest of the world playing a joke on me or something? How does this? This isn't a real thing, surely. They're just not very good. I don't get it. They're I pretty love, pointless, aren't they? I love like I do really like the taste of them and i like obviously the textual element of having the crunch and i really like i really enjoy eating hard shell tacos it's just impossible to do it who designed this yeah what what do they get at taco bell i've never been do they get them i doubt it what happens there 
I don't know. There isn't really many Taco Bells in in England. Well, and... precisely, but I'm I'm sure Dean's been. I have been to Taco Bell, but I've never had hard shell tacos. So, right, so they, they must do soft soft shells. Uh, all the stuff I have is yeah, but I mean that's not to say it's not on the menu. I have no idea. But it's not um, Taco pizza. Bell. I went to Taco Bell in in an airport in Seoul and just ate nachos for literally two hours. So yeah. um, they were. I can confirm they were hard shelled, um, but <laughs> hard shell nachos. <laughs> hard shell nachos. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know what the taco answer is. Mate, I just—it's ridiculous. I've tried all sorts of different ways to to, to balance this out. The most that I, I mean, I've obviously cooked the the shells in the oven versus the microwave. The microwave obviously keeps them together a bit more, but they don't—they get quite chewy, so I don't like that. So I've cooked them in the oven, and then I put cheese along the bottom of each one to try and bind it together a little bit more. That works quite well, but at any one moment, this thing can just explode in your yeah. hand. It's, it's temperamental, isn't it? It's a bit like PSG's mentality. <laughs> At any point, it's liable to explode. Yeah. Beautifully uh, built, looks fantastic, tastes amazing, could literally just explode rip apart point. in your hands at any yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. PSG, PSG are the hard shell tacos of yeah. football. There we are. And on that bombshell, I think we should call this a day. And all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much to Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much to Sam Ty. Cheers, buddy. I've been Jack Collins. This has been Ranks FC. Thank you for listening as ever. We'll see you shortly. Take it easy. Peace. Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. 